was your best attribute as a player? What, what do you think you were best at? Oh, I just like ball. I'm a, being a ball player, being able to be competitive, get the ball, and forwards always like me. Williams. Oh, he's done that quite superbly. Put three men out. Moran was unlucky. Lovely move down the right, and again. It was Steve Williams who started it. That was Steve Williams, captain of arguably Saints' best ever side, who in 1984 came second in the league and narrowly lost the FA Cup semi-final. I spoke to Steve to arrange a time to speak the following week, but 90 minutes later we were still talking. Yeah, it's easy really, get me. Um, what sort of, when are you thinking? Late afternoon's best. Late afternoon? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm pretty flexible because I can just pop out and uh, make the call. But, okay, um, do that. Yeah, thanks very much. And that's oh, really no problem. weird having strangers call you, but um, yeah. that's great. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll um, just really having a chat about, um, you know, I'm a Saints fan. I've, I've, I've written a book about... Um... But before we get to 1984, let's go back to where it all began for Steve. 1976 at Fratton Park. I was, when I made my debut... I was going up to clean the boots at Hailing Island, and I didn't like it, because I had already cleaned the bloody boots in the morning. Well, I was sent up there not to clean the boots. I was sent up there, didn't want to tell me too early, and Huey Fisher, bless him, he, uh, he was waiting for me, and uh, he said, don't tell Laurie Mameli I told you you're playing tonight. I said, why's that? because Peter Rosgood and Jim still been celebrating too much, so he's dropped them. I said, all right. So I was playing that night against Portsmouth. Now, you wouldn't put a 17-year-old into a local derby unless you're absolutely sure he wasn't right. A reminder, Jim Steele, Jim McCallioch and Peter Osgood were dropped having over-celebrated the FA Cup semi-final win three days earlier. Well, the funny thing I remember about the, the thing was I, I, we had the, the, the local paper and Mickey Shannon had said the best thing about Portsmouth is the M27 or M27 that goes back to Salanta. That was the headlines on the back. I thought, whoa, fancy saying that, Mickey. He said, well, it's true. I said, oh, good luck on that one. So we go out on the pitch and they're after Mickey. They're this, that. And I think, Jesus Christ. And he could handle it. He really could handle it. I loved Mickey. Shannon. positive. Give, win, lose or draw, I'm going to give it a go. So, and we beat one 1-0 in the last couple of minutes. And he'd done his usual windmill thing around the goal thing. I thought, whoa, let's get out of here as quick. So that was me. Everyone said I played well. I don't remember. I just give it my best shot. And then, ironically enough, the last time I played them, Steve Moran scored uh, yeah. in the last couple of minutes. So how ironic is that at Fratton Park? So they're the only two ones I remember. So we didn't play it very often, but both times I think I beat them. So that was always good. Last knockings now, forward by Worthington, and Armstrong's got Wallace and Moran on the other side, and Moran is coming in, and Southampton have snatched it right at the very end in stoppage time. What, what games stick out in your mind at the Delphi? Well, the one, the one game that really, really I never played in um, was the semi-finals of Southampton when they went in '76 to the cup final. Oh, were you, were, you, were, you, were you there, Steve? No, I wasn't. I was apprentice, you see. So we cleaned all the boots. And the ironic, when I look back on it, the best thing about it is that I was 17 years old and I still felt part of it. I was part of it in my... Me, Tony Seeley, George Shipley, Austin A, Steve Neville, we all got dressed up. We, we were part of it. 
And we went in the dressing room after the bloody game when we beat uh, in the FA Cup when we beat Man United. We went in the dressing room, so we felt part of it. And how yeah. great is that? Yeah. You know, you've got your apprentices who actually feel that they're, it, it, you know, it's bizarre. And then, of course, the, the game I remember more than anything um, other than that, which is, I feel, feel the, the best game I've ever liked. It was the, the Man United Salam because we won 1-0. Um, but I quite enjoyed the semi-finals, you see, because we played at Chelsea against Crystal Palace. And we beat them 2-0. And I, I saw Malcolm Allison go around the pitch with the fedora on and signaling to our fans that they're going to win 2-0. So, cool, good luck on that one. Because the ironic thing is, he obviously didn't know what I knew, is that if you look at Southampton team at that time, um, could they win the league? Probably not, and that's why Laurie Mack changed it. Um, but if I said to you, we had a centre-half called Jim Steele, who's a bit of a monster, I think he should have played for Scotland. We had a left-back, David Peach, pretty good. We had a right-back, Pete Rodriguez, a Welsh international. Mel Blyby was pretty good. Goalkeeper... You know, Ian Turner was, whew, he wasn't the best goalkeeper, but he was mad as anything, and he'd, 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 he'd go in there, he would go in there, he was a mad goalkeeper. Great, right? yeah. So, middle of the park, Jim McCallion, are you serious? Scottish international, one touch, I'll tell yeah. you what, he could play. He was right up there, Jim McCallion, and nobody really thought he was, but I thought he was. And then, up front, Mickey Shannon, Bobby Stokes, who no one heard of, and bloody Peter Osgood, you know, come off it. Do you really think that you're going to take these boys on who've done it all, been there, and you know, in our semi-finals and beat them, and then pretend to go round and pretend you're going to win two nil? Oh, I'm sorry. Don't wind these players up. Mickey Shannon, Peter Osgood, flipping heck, they could win a game on their own. And that's our yeah, story. That's, that's really interesting, Steve. That you know, you had a fantastic career, but when I say what what games you really think about. Yeah. It's it's that that game you that, yeah. that springs to mind. Is it because as a young, I mean you were a teenager, but you yeah. felt as you said you felt part of it. You I were did. with there with Mickey Shannon and Peter Osgood. That must have been very important to you then to feel part of it. I, I was part of it. Yeah. You know, the fact I cleaned the boots and done the kit seemed to miss the point. But uh, to, to me, I was part of it. And going in the dressing room afterwards told me I was. And then coming home, and then we. We had to get all the kit ready, and we went on a on a on a thing. I think to Breen Sands or something, on a little tournament the next day. I wanted, we wanted to go in the celebrations up in up at the top there in Southampton. All we were told, we had, John McGrath told us, I had to go and get the keys to open up the Dell because he forgot the keys. So we had to go. So we didn't do the celebration bit. But yeah, I just I just loved it. I just felt part of the whole thing. You mentioned you grew up as an Arsenal fan, and then yeah. obviously Saints signed. Alan Bull, so he, yeah. he was at Highbury. I mean, was he a hero or an influence on you growing up? Yeah. Well, I watched Bawley as a kid when I was young. I watched Charlie, Charlie George was another one. Um, and then he, well, you know, how good is it that you remember Alan Bull, obviously, World Cup and all that. I remember him at Arsenal, and then I played with him. You know, that's the very thing that you need to inspire you, these things. You get inspired by good things and great things. You don't get inspired by crap. The Mickey Shannon, training with him all the time, you know, wasn't the best of trainers. But boy, he didn't want to be. If he wanted to be, he could have been. He chose not to be particularly good. 
but on a Saturday, on a Tuesday, Jesus Christ, was he up for it? Never pull Mickey Shannon off a football pitch because he could score you the winning goal. You know? That yeah. sort of positive. Peter Osgood, look, car, best centre forward that English football has ever produced, ever. And only got seven caps. Why was yeah. that, do you think? Well, I know why it was. I know exactly why it was, because I had the same problem yourself. He's a bit too opinionated, uh, King's Road sort of thing, Chelsea. The fact that he was the best there is, he was the mixture between Paul Mariner, Alan Shearer, and anyone else you want to throw in. And Alan Shearer was up there, but Ozzy was that little bit bad. Have a look at him when he was in his younger days at Chelsea. He could run like a midfield player. He could... Hold defenders off Strong. like a centre-half. He had a touch of an angel like Messi. He had an unbelievable touch. And boy, did he get stuck in. Score goals for fun. Jesus Christ. Seven caps? Are you serious? That's, yeah. that's why English football hadn't won anything. Because you're not putting those sort of players... And I know at that time, I don't know a lot about him, but there was players like Stan Bowles that never got... You know, Charlie George for three years at Arsenal was right up there. One cap. Yeah, you know. it's, it's, there's, a, there's a few players over the years who perhaps didn't get their dues. I mean, Steve, do you think do you think you should have had more caps? Oh, Mickey Shannon said to me, if you go to Arsenal when you was 22, because I could have gone there with the, when I was younger, you'd have got 50 caps. If you stay at Southampton, you'll get none. Well, I've got slightly more than none, but I had no England manager had ever been to see a game at Southampton. None. <laughs> how are they going to know how good Stevie Williams is? Because we had a great, you know, from eighty to eighty-five, you know, we had a we had a great team down at Dell, so and we beat pretty much everybody. Yeah, but that's fine for you, for you. But if you know, it's it's a bit wrong why they talk about it. like when England struggled in the World Cup, they struggled for one reason, and they they didn't have a quality playmaker like Modric, midfield player. For me, it's so obvious. They put in Henderson and Dyer. They're very average for me. Stick in front of the back four. Play from A to B. It's okay. You need one of them. But come off it. You, I'm not having it that there's not a quality midfield player that can really pass the ball around and create chances because that's your job. Your job is quite simple. You're like a mongrel. You're a veteran carrier. And the quality ones create stuff for the forwards. And without that, you don't have chances for your forwards so that's what happens you beat the easy teams Tunisia and that you come against Belgium you get beat you come across your next one you get beat because uh, to be fair you know you, they're good players aren't they and as soon yeah. as you come across a, a good side you'll get beat well you know it's been like that for England for a long long time Steve was part of the Saints midfield that played Nottingham Forest in the League Cup final at Wembley well, the ironic thing about that, because I was only 19, I think I probably was, um, and I didn't realise, I, I learned a lesson on that day that I'd remembered them for the rest of my life, and, and rem- remembered it so so closely that I'd never made the mistake again. I played against a fellow called Archie Gemmell. Yes. Who was a very, very clever, seasoned campaigner, been there, done there, you know, was a good player, left-footed, tricky. Uh, you know, I knew I was playing against him. I knew I'd, uh, you know, I'd, I'd better be on it, and I was. 
and I'd never let him get a kick. We went one nil up, actually, a good goal, ballie peachy. Yeah. Um, Should have, and then for some reason we come out second half, and and Chris Nickel, who was normally very sound, very sound, him and I think the goalie was Jeno, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Um, very, very, very clumsy. Let Bertels in. He scored. He scored again. Chris Nickel made a, m- a couple of mistakes. He never normally made too many mistakes. He kicked the ball bloody out. I think he tried to control one in the box. It got caught. All of a sudden, we're two one down. Funny enough, Nick Holmes scored a great goal that day. Yes, no one forgets about it. He scores a screamer. I think ended up three two, didn't it? Yes. But the lesson I learned that day was quite simple. Yes, you stopped Archie Gemmell playing. But the one thing you forgot was to play yourself. And I never made them that mistake ever again. I never went out totally to stop a player playing. I wanted to stop him playing, but my part of my game was more important than their part of theirs. So, yes, Archie Gemmell didn't have a great game, but nor did I, and nor did the team. Laurie Mack sort of, sort of criticised. I know I was only a kid, so I shouldn't have got too much criticism. But got a little bit, said, hold on, Stevie Williams didn't play very well. Well, hold on a minute, <laughs> I'm a kid, learning me trade here, you know. But I learned a lesson that day that I never forgot ever again. So if I was in a similar position where I was just stopping the opposition player playing, and that was it, I changed. I you changed back, your, back yourself to be positive and try and get on the ball and get forward I would. I could do that. I could do that. So if it got into it where it, that's what was happening in my mind, that this ain't enough. Just this, I, then I would change, and that was the reason I changed. Pretty much every time it happened, I can't remember a time it happened where I didn't try. And sometimes to the extreme, where sometimes I was man to man marked quite often, and I would go and do something really ridiculous to make them look stupid. I went and stood on the left wing once at the Dell, and then they said, "You marked me all your life." I went and marked the left back. Went and marked the seventh centre half and as you do realise there's two of you and one of me so somebody must be free on our team so it's just an extreme version of it you know but you learn those things as you come and you the confidence to be able to do it because most people think what did you do <laughs> but yeah. if they remembered what happened to me all those years before they would understand why I need to up it change it I need to create things to, to stop things on a football pitch is Sort of relatively easy. Martin Keown could man-to-man marker. Yeah, great, well done, Martin. But that's not the skillful players. That's why Paul Gascoigne's. You know, it's the it's the diff, it's difficult to create. It's very easy to destroy. You know. And Williams, a tremendous run outside him, and the cross coming off Larry Lloyd for the corner. A corner won for Southampton by a brilliant piece of running by Steve Williams. Superb young midfield player, full of running, but always something to learn. And Alan Ball giving him a little bit of tuition there. They got Chris Nickel up on the line and Malcolm Waldron. You're, I mean, 83 84, you're skipper. Yeah. You've got a lot of different characters on the pitch, like Danny Wallace or yeah. people like Mark Dennis. How would you? be on the pitch would you, would you be quite vocal with your own team how would I you I was quite vocal anyway as in the fact is you know if, if it's not going right I want people to you know this is the reason Mark Dennis you only had to bark at him and he'd be right up there with you you know he's a good pal of mine and boy 
uh, I think this is subtle as it can be. I think Kenny Sanson is probably one of the best left-backs England's had. And Mark Dennis would have been. He probably wouldn't play as well today because he used to get stuck in a bit more. But one cost a million pounds and one cost nothing. Um, and as Laurie Mack would say, you know, which one do you have? Well, you have Mark Dennis, it costs you nothing. Uh, that's how good Mark Dennis was. He was really, really a good player. Uh, Kenny Sanson, you'd play in the international team. Mark Dennis, you'd play in the Premier League, you know, or the, the first division, because he was really, really good. And I could get him pushed on, on the left of me, into the middle of the park. Get on, get on, because other teams coming to our place used to be a bit wary, so they'd drop off. So we would just move on and move on and move on. So if you see the whites of their eyes, you just go for them, you know. And if we're going to score, if we score in the first 10, 15 minutes, you better watch out. We're going to have you again. You know, we're going to come again and again, you know. So you've just got to keep going. And the crowd behind you as well, they were right behind us, to be fair, the crowd. They were ready for action, full house every time, pretty much, looking for action, looking for you to take on Man United, Liverpool, whoever wants to come to the Dell and think they've got a chance. They better really watch out, you know. And some of them yeah. came and took us on very few you know, weren't a bit frightened of the place, and that made it even better, of course. And, you know, we had some ammunition there. Always had a bit of ammunition up front, a bit of quality in the middle of the party, defend quite well, and you got a chance. During your time at Saints, I mean, we, like I said, we were competing with the best, and you could argue that during your time at the Dell, we had our best ever team, but mostly yeah. homegrown players. What, what players, who are your favourite players playing with Saints at, at that time? Well, I loved Nick Holmes because I loved his honesty. I loved the fact... I loved, the, 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 obviously, the Mickey Shannons and Peter Osgood's course. Who couldn't? But I sort of always liked Nick Holmes' sort of thing, you know, 20 years at the club. And, you know, wasn't recognised for as much as he should have been, I felt, you know. You know, you they always talk about other players, me included, but they never talk about Nick Holmes so much. And I find that a little bit annoying, for me. You thought he doesn't necessarily get the respect he deserves? Totally doesn't. No, absolutely doesn't. Because when we're in the middle of the park, you needed Nobby Styles. We had Nick Holmes. We had uh, me, Bawley, and um, and Bawley actually said that he felt that was the best midfield he'd played in, and he'd also played in Ball, Harvey, and Kendall at Everton. Yes. So that's up there. That's how good he thought the midfield was. And I agree. That was a bit of everything. Um, and you look at the players that come through Southampton, forget about those ones. You think, what about the Ted McDougals, the Phil Boyers, the Ivan Golaks? Yeah. Jesus Christ, Ted McDougal? If you don't put the ball in the box, you ain't going to score gold. But if you put it in the box and get it in there, Ted McDougal will win you games. You gave me Linick or McDougal, whoa, that would be a hard choice. But you had Steve Moran, he scored loads of goals. Yeah, how did you rate Steve as a, as Steve a striker? Yeah. He was different, he wasn't, he was just always in the right place at the right time, and he could finish. If you put him through, if you put that ball in the right place, he'd finish it. Completely different, Ted McDougall far more aggressive, Steve Moran a little bit more in the right place at the right time, you know. But boy, you know, these boys, you've got to have one, you know. If you've got them in your club and you're not playing them, if they're not scoring goals... It's quite simple. You're not creating them. The problem isn't your centre forward. It's the problem with your midfield players and your, your, your players who are creating. 
If your centre-forward's only scored 10 goals, it's not because he hasn't finished them, I assure you, if he's at the level of, of that. Um, some players, he put me in the box, the ball never finds me. I, uh, you know, it just doesn't. But these boys come in at the right time. It's natural to them. How do you think, you know, I, I keep talking about the 83-84 season, simply because, yes. you know, had it been another time, we, we could have even won the double, possibly. Yeah. How, what, what do you think was missing that season? What piece of the jigsaw was Saints missing to win a trophy that year? Or was it just bad luck? What do you think? Um, no, it's never bad luck. The best team always wins. We didn't, I think... Was Frank Worthington sent forward that year? Yes. Yeah, Frank... How many goals did he score, Frank, that year? I couldn't tell you without checking. Yeah, I don't think he was prolific, was he? Well, I won't tell you, right? I'll ask you the question. You go away, find out, right? And when you find out, that will be your answer. Okay? Now... We, we generally had added, instead of forwards at Southampton scored 30 odd goals, all of them all the time, even Kevin Keegan scored him, Steve Moran, Temmedal, Phil Boy, they all did. Have a look at Frank's hat, yeah, and that's not knocking Frank, because he's done quite well, but we just fell a tad short, and I mean it, it was that close. Like I've been saying, positive trying to win the game, I think you'll find that, that the Southampton teams I've certainly played in, won games. We went for it. We won games. Yeah. That was the way we wanted to play. Or certainly, way I would never have played. I couldn't have played any other way, you know. And nor could the people I played with. Peter Osgood, Jesus Christ, really? He'd look at you as I said something stupid if he said, "Oh, should we hold out for a draw?" He wouldn't even. I would, to be honest, I wouldn't even say. He'd throw his boots at me or something. So I used to clean their bloody boots most of the time. <laughs> and Steve, like um, a lot of fans have said to me, they re- they remember particularly the uh, the quarter-final of that season, FA Cup quarter-final. We, we had a, a replay of Schiffer Wednesday and beaten, yeah. beaten 5-1. They picked out you know your performance in that game. Oh, there's there's a lot of... Game. Yes. What happened? Um, Mel Sterling hit me late. That is, to be fair, I thought it was, that. It was out of order, really. Um, he hit me late and I'd done my cartilage. Um, so pretty much... Um, the, the problems you have let's say, at the smaller clubs, is um, it's not so much uh, that they haven't got good players, a lot of them have, but if certain players in the team get injured, then they haven't got a replacement. And that's where the big clubs win every time. Now, they have squads of 30 players now, so they have two or three replacements. We suffered at Arsenal. When we first went to Arsenal under George Graham there, we were top of the league for ages. Now, myself and Paul Davis got injured in the same week, and they didn't win a game for six weeks because they had to put in a, you won't know him, a very poor player called Gus Caesar. And he was useless. He was over the centre-half. So there was a lesson learned there from George Grant. He needed a bigger squad. But he knew that, but he was in transition. But he was really doing well. We won the Cup. We're going to the Cup again. League the next year. Southampton had a similar problem then. And what happened was I got injured. And then I was, I was automatically out for the semi-finals, you see. But... Uh, Laurie Mack, uh, the doctors, thought that they might be able to get me through a game. So I thought, whoa, okay, well, this is interesting. What they said was, because you've done a cartilage, you're going to have to have your cartilage done, but we thought if we could get you through this game, then, um, you know, who knows? I said, what do you mean? So we had to sit down with the doctors. It was my choice, it wasn't theirs, um, and the choice was quite simple. They could put, uh, I think it was xylocaine or something, which is a painkiller, into the cartilage so you couldn't feel the, part, the cartilage pain because it wasn't locking. 
and see if you could get through, you know, uh, 90 minutes. I said, ooh, okay, give it a go. So we did a go in training on the Thursday, and I was shocked how good it was. I said, jeez, I can't feel it. I can feel... The ironic thing is you need to feel uh, your knee and, and all that because you need to feel the, the touch of the ball. It's quite important that you can feel it. It's a, a feeling thing when you hit a ball and stuff like that. So you need to, and it was fine. So, Jesus Christ, it's ridiculous. Um, he said, what do you think? And I come off and he said, well, there's, you know, Lion Matt was good. He said, look, I, I, I'm, I, obviously we all, everybody wants you to play. Now, the team's down because they know they haven't got a place and they'll probably lose if you're not in. But that's not the reason. The reason is whether or not you think you can do it or not, because you haven't played for a few weeks. Straight into the semi-finals against Everton, at my place, Highbury. I think, Jesus Christ, on my own patch here. Against Peter Reid, who's no mug. But Peter Reid, I can handle, because I've got more ability than him. You know, stop him playing, yeah, I can do that. But it's whether or not my knee holds up. So well, it's bloody held up on Thursday. I think we'll give it a go. So, what do you think they missed? It's so obvious when I tell you, but it's so so basic, it's ridiculous. What do you think they missed? I don't know, Steve, what was it? Right. Your team sheet has to go in an hour before kickoff. So they've got to say that I'm playing an hour before kickoff, which means they've got to put a bit more painkiller in to last longer. Oh, of course. Yeah, so 90 minutes, fine. We know we've done that, we've done it on Thursday. We need to put a little bit more in because there's a bit more before kick-off. Right, that's fine. Well, putting a bit more in, I struggled straight away because I didn't... I got through the game, but I didn't have no feel. I had no touch. It was like I was using my left foot more than I was using my right foot. Was um, it numb? Was it nasty? Or? Like, like hitting a piece of wood, let's say. You know when it's numb, when you sit on your leg, it just didn't yeah. feel right. But I knew I was all right. I could still get by, but I didn't have the touch I wanted... And the thing, of course, is that year was the first time ever, extra time. Yeah. So yeah. I played the extra time, but I, I just couldn't play. I knew I was at 50%. I was stopping Peter Reed playing. But Southampton needed more than that because I was the one, the playmaker, who created things. So that was the problem. And they scored a fluke goal, but fair enough, you know. Ruben Agbuda should have kicked it in the crowd anyway. So don't feel sorry for him. It was a freaky goal. But they was in, as I said to you, they kept on going. Um, yeah. Whether I'd have made the final or not, I probably would have given it a go on that as well. But there wasn't people always talk about it. So I said, right, I'll tell you the scenario. It was either me giving it a go. Like, I didn't know whether I was going to be good or not. I thought I was going to be better because of the Thursday. But your choice was what? I said, what do you mean? So it's not me your problem. It's who the replacement of me was. And can you remember who the subs were? No, I don't. That exactly. The choice was someone like Graham Baker, I think, or David Puckett. They were got slaughtered by Peter Reid and the, the Everton team, who at the time were one of the best for 10 years, weren't they? They were right up there with Sharp and all that. Yeah. But they were yeah. really good. So that was the dilemma. You either give it a shot, hopefully we'll get by. We got beat 1-0, so it was a really unlucky call. Was it the right call? Everyone says, no, no, I'm telling you now, it was absolutely the right call. Did it go wrong? Yeah, just. Let's go lay on in extra time. And I held Peter. He didn't play, but I didn't expect. But we, we had three chances. Danny Wallace missed an open goal. Yeah. Dave Armstrong, who never missed an open goal in his life, was put through. I couldn't believe it. He does not fit. He doesn't miss Dave Armstrong. He missed. 
put it over the bar, I think. We had the so, chances, didn't we? We had the chances. We had three great chances. Daddy Wallace wasn't a good finish, but Dave Armstrong was right up there when he was put through. Cool as a cucumber, right? So, I look at it, and people get it slightly wrong. We give it a good shot. We just narrowed it. Should we have won? I think just. And then the, the call would have been whether I left it for a month and then played in the final. I'd have probably gone with another jab. And then straight after that, I was in the hospital having the cartilage out. So, you know. That's was it an injection, Steve? It was xylocaine that was put into me to, to numb the pain, yeah. Right, so... It's pain, yeah. basically. Yeah. It? If you've got beat 1-0 and I didn't give it a chance, even if I got pulled off after 20 minutes... I would have thought, well, you know, I would be regretting that semi-finals yeah. now. I've got no regrets. That might patch as well at Highbury. I would have thought, why didn't I just give it a go? Yeah. You know, yeah. it didn't go well. We got beat 10-0, but I'll give it a go. Um, I've got no regrets about it at all, but Southampton supporters very often bring it up, thinking that, you know, Stevie Williams shouldn't have played. No, no, they're wrong. And when you explain to them that way round, I think they get it. I think they, I think they would do. Yeah, I guess the Saints fans, these compared to say Arsenal and other big clubs, that they come, these opportunities come round rarer for us. So well, they didn't when we I was get a little there. bit. Not, you, no, no, it was a regular occurrence, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that was the norm to me because we, I think, we finished in the top six quite a few times. You come second once. Um, you know, when I when I hear people talk about Southampton, bit oh, hold on, hold on. I'm not interested in you talking about Southampton. No, it doesn't have to be that way. Don't sell your best players. You choose to sell your best players to other clubs. You choose to. Don't moan about you being in the bottom half of the table because you could actually be in the top half if you chose not to. You know, and then they try to pretend, oh, Southampton need their money. No, they don't. Have you seen how much money these clubs get through Sky? It's billions. Yeah, they choose to do that. Just like... Other club, just like Arsenal choose to keep the money in the bank and not have a good team on the pitch, they choose to do that. Then don't moan about it, you know. And, and I mean, how, do you, how do you compare? I mean, you played in both, you know, the South Coast derby, Saints Pompey and Arsenal Spurs. Yes. Were there any similarities in, in the, well, the derbies? I don't think. I know people say, "Oh, this is the bigger Man United, the Man City, the bigger." Then they say, when it, when it suits on Man United, Liverpool. No, let me tell you. Ipswich Norwich, those players want to probably give it the same as Arsenal Tottenham and Southampton Portsmouth. It's very similar what I've seen. I haven't seen anything in there. Players give an extra thing. And let me tell you, you do not. I don't remember losing one, to be honest. But I would not want to be in my city having got beat by Portsmouth. I mean, Steve, later that year, you end up leaving to your... As you said, your boy at Club Arsenal. Yeah. How, how did it come about? Did you put in a request, or were they coming, well, I think coming to at us? At some point, at some point, looking back, at some point, you, you get to a point where, oh dear, to say I've done everything was an understatement of Southampton. I come through as a boy. Um, you know, to be fair, I, I can't say enough about Southampton really because it was that good. I love my apprenticeship. I love playing at the club. My, I'd always, you know, Arsenal, because I live around, that's my team, I live around the corner, my, me and my mate went there, my dad and my mum used to go to Arsenal when I was younger, you remember born in Finsley Park, Holloway, you know, this is my club, albeit not doing very well, but 71 with Charlie George and all that, I, oh dear, how can I not remember those times, 
And how can you not want to play? And I say to people, it's quite simple, right? If you were born in Exeter, you'd want to play for Exeter, probably. Now, if you can play for another club, fine. But you really want to play for Exeter. If you're born in Ipswich, you want to play... I happen to be born at Arsenal, and I live very close to West Ham. In fact, my school was next door to West Ham's training field at Chabalese. I didn't want to play for West Ham. I want to play for Arsenal, because Arsenal was a team that my mum and dad watched when they were little. Right, so my family was deep into Arsenal. My sister liked Arsenal, right? So, yeah, I come to Southampton and learnt my trade. I'd done everything. I'd been captain of the club. I played for my country. I'd done this. I'd been to cup finals. I'd been top six, the second in the division. I could have gone to Arsenal when I was 22. Chose not to. Chose not to. And felt loyalty to Southampton. Then you yeah. get to a stage where you've done anything. OK, I need, a, I need my next challenge. And Arsenal are coming calling. I ain't gonna, I'm going to say no again. I want my sister and my dad to watch every home game. Because what would you have been there, Steve? Right? You'd have been 26. Yeah, 26. Coming into, your, coming into your, your prime, really. Well, the ironic thing is about it, well, this sort of sums up how wrong they were at the time. Uh, David Dean was brilliant as a chairman. I wish he was there now because he'd sort this mess out. He was there. Um, now, this sums it up. They buy a player for big bucks, and Charlie Nixon was 600, I was 550, so... They're right up there with these silly fees at the time, and you go to your club. Right. I signed on the Thursday, and I, t- I wanted to, it sounds silly, but I wanted to be signed, because I knew that the Marble Halls, I wanted to sign at Highbury, I wanted to go in the director's room to assign it, because I'd never, I would have heard of it, the bus and all that, the history. Is it right to have a look around behind the scenes? You know, yeah. Ken Fry was there, who's still there now. I said, do you want to look around? I said, oh, yeah, I want to look around first. So we had a look around, had a chat, to, and we got it, Ken Fry and me, straight away. And he said, where do you want to sign? I said, in the boardroom. He said, let's go to the boardroom. Let's get a couple of tins and biscuits. We're in there chatting. And um, I signed on. He said, what you, you know? I said, look, I ain't money. I'm going to tell you what I want. You'll tell me what you think. We'll end up in It's going to be done tonight. No problem. And he said, why is that? I said, because we're playing Tottenham on Saturday, and I'm playing. Right. He went, oh, yeah, good, yeah, yeah. So anyway, signed it, no problem, went through, no problem. Anyway, I turned up on the Friday for training or whatever. Saturday, team sheet goes up, I'm substitute. I just, I'm looking around thinking, Jesus Christ, here we go. Substitute? So the team goes out against Tottenham. Now, I never got beat against Tottenham, ever. Have a look at my record, ever, Right. I never play well, but they might put me down at that. I was substitute, sat on the bench. They got beat 1-0 at Highbury. I think Alan scored. The crowd's going berserk, screaming for me to go on. And all of a sudden, five minutes ago, I said, oh, get yourself warmed up. I think, sod off, get myself warmed up. What do you mean, get myself warmed up? So you're going on. So oh, it's all right to go on now, is it? So that was the start. So I went on for five minutes. I got one kick at the ball, right, and actually hit a hell of a bendy one into the box and no one was on the end of it and the crowd clapped that's all I remember the whistle went that was my start I thought oh Jesus Christ my family's there people from Southampton are coming to see me my mum and dad's there my sister's there and I'm not even playing I think, what? don't ask and that's how it started so you can imagine what it was like if you look at Arsenal's success when I went there it's quite simple it's uh, they have a youth policy like they all do and their youth policy Arsenal was really good and when I went there, it was quite obvious to me that the players that were playing 
this is why they like me so much at Arsenal, because I said me bit. I know it's a bit, you know, but I did, and they didn't. Well, because I'm a Londoner, it's my club, I'm going to say it. I don't care whether you like it or not, this ain't good, right? And they had a youth policy. Now, in the, you won't believe this, in the youth, in the uh, uh, reserves, where I was playing just after I got there, because they didn't like what I said, right, was Dave Rowcastle, right? Yeah, what Paul Davis, Tony Adams, right? They had Noel Quinn and they had Paul Merson. Wow. And none of these players were good enough to get in the first team, yet the first team was struggling. You think, really? What a lot of nonsense this is. These why, players why, why, why was that, Steve? Was it just like... Um how it was at the time it had to be exceptional to get in the first team no no the Don Howe uh, was the manager and everyone yeah. thinks I didn't get on with Don Howe no I got on with Don Howe fine really nice bloke loved his coaching by the way but as a manager he wasn't if there was two players to pick he'd pick the wrong one now he was with England and all that and I get all the nonsense behind all this stuff but remember England struggled under their period for 20 years so I'd heard it all before about this and that so if he Two players to pick, there was a fellow called Stuart Robson or Brian Talbot or me, he would pick the others. And I get that, I get that, you choose who you like. But if you lose, don't come knocking on my door because it's not my fault. Well, not only when they lose is my fault, they hold on, no, it's your fault for keep picking this crap. But remember, I see my club, Arsenal, struggle in my whole career at that time. I was 26. And they won a bloody thing, never looked like they won a thing. And every time we played against them, I fancied us to beat them, because that's how ordinary they was. So you had a midfield that was average, a back four that were Tommy Caton, bless him, not very good. Very, very average team, Rich. John Lukic in goal. And he's a very... Up front they had Paul Mariner, but he was 33. He wasn't 23. Yeah, he was, he yeah. was at the end of his career. They had uh, Charlie Nicholas, who was brilliant, but... Everyone had a go at him. Everyone was blaming him. He got blamed for everything, and I felt it was so unfair because he was just playing in a very average team. Of course, you know what happens in a club at that level. There's 10,000 supporters moaning like hell at me as well, and I wasn't even playing, right? So <laughs> moan at me. You've had this for about 10, 20 years. I get it. I'm a supporter. It's my club, right? And, of course, they got rid of Don Howe, quite rightly so. In walked George Graham, and everything I'd been saying for six months, remember, right, which was wrong, supposedly, George Graham come in and pretty much agreed with everything I said and put in Tony Adams, in Paul Murd, Dave Rowcastle come in, Paul Davis come in, he put me in, he sold Brian Torbell, he sold Stuart Robson, he sold Paul Mariner, and in the very first year, we won a trophy. Oh, that's a good try. Stevie Williams just struck it. Arsenal are the first winners of the Littlewoods Cup. One of the themes talking with Steve was being competitive, giving your all. And sometimes that could spill over, even in training. It used to get competitive at training. Oh, yeah. Yeah, don't... I don't... Yeah, you've got 30 players trying to get into 11. Or yeah. 25 players, two teams. And obviously the reserves think they're better than the first team. So when the first team play the reserves, the reserves very often win. That's probably because the first team aren't trying quite as much and the reserves are trying, trying twice as hard. 
And, yeah, you, you're trying to... Yeah, I want you to... I cleaned Huey Fish's boots, but I didn't want him to play in front of me. No way. And then when you get in there, you've got to hold your place. And players know in the club who are the best players. When I was at Arsenal, Paul Mariner, Viv Anderson, they knew, Charlie Nicholas knew, if I wasn't playing, it's something wrong. They didn't want Brian Talbot and Stuart Robson playing because they knew ultimately this ain't right. Paul Mariner said Stevie Williams like a breath of fresh air. You might not like what he has to say, but at least he's got an opinion of it. And I felt that's fair enough. <laughs> you might not like what I've got here, but let's have a discussion about it, because when I was in the Southampton dressing room, Jesus Christ, you better be playing well, or those bloody senior pros are going to rip your head off. Who the hell do you think you are, you know? It could be yeah. that, could it, Steve? Could it, in your early days at the Dell, it, it, players would tell you if there was a problem? They'd be Absolutely. quite open. Mickey Shannon said to me, when you run out, you better make sure you wait to the Dockers, because if they don't like you, they're, you're a real problem. So he said to me, and he was right. He was right. You better bloody... It's ironic, really, because not the best players aren't the nicest people, and some of the nicest people, unfortunately, aren't the best players. And the crowd, you know, they go with the ones that give it the best shot, but they love, they absolutely can handle someone giving it 100%, even though they're not good enough. But they damn well won't put up with a player who's definitely good enough not giving 100%. That's, that's definitely right. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, when you, when you see it, you think, whoa, good luck on that one. Don't chase them. Don't, who the hell do you, you know, so I never, ever had a, i tell you what, if I was in a team and a player didn't chase a ball, I don't care whether he's Paul Mercer, Jesus Christ, you, they wouldn't do it, to be fair, because they'd know what was coming. Vice versa, that I knew what was coming. If I didn't do the right thing on a full film for Peter Rosgood and Mickey Shannon, you know, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You give it your best shot 100% and then criticise me for not doing this and that. That's ability. But don't come off that pitch not giving it 100%. It's just silly. Silly. And it's not necessary, is it? No, not at all. And, Steve, I had a rumour that you nearly came back to the Dell at the end of your career when Ian Bradford was manager. Is that true? Yeah, well, I trained with them. I, you know, yeah, nearly. And he, funny enough, yeah, I spoke to Lou Chatley, who I knew. Well, the ironic thing about it was that I realised, oh, Dear, oh dear, this is completely what I'm not used to because me, uh, uh, Ian's method was like really, really wrong for me, really wrong. So it was never going to work. Um, I played in a cut in two or three pre-season games or something, um, and uh, I know the left back. I remember, I can't remember who a left back come inside and kicked it, kicked it straight into touch. Jesus Christ, he's a right footer, that's why. Well, he should be a left footer, really. Kicked it straight into touch. I said, whoa, whoa. You know, basically, give me the ball. You know, do you a favour. Do me a... You know, that's a... And Ian Brown was quite happy that it was going straight into touch because he got further up the pitch. I said, whoa. This is a bit odd, considering you've got Alan Shearer and Matt Letizia and that. You could really do some damage here. But no, it was quite obviously a very long ball-based game. You kicked it as far as you could and as high as you could, um, and get up the pitch as far as you could as well, and that was the way to go, like Watford were doing. Whoa, this is not going to work. And if, ironically enough, he went and bought. He could, he could have had me for free, funny enough, for nothing. And he went and bought Herlock for fifty grand. Yeah, he did, didn't he? I mean, yeah. I wonder, I wonder what, given Ian Bradford was 
someone who played the long ball. I wonder why he was bringing you in, knowing that you're a ball player. I wonder what. That's what. That's what. Obviously, is when I went, they didn't bring me in. You see, we had. I was there. I had played two or three games, and then before they went out onto a game, they stood up and banged the walls and hollered and showered and think, Jesus Christ! No, I'm not used to that. I don't know what to say. And Lou said, uh, the ironic thing is, when we'd done some doggies and some... He said, oh, I didn't realise you was as fit as these young boys. I said, oh, I didn't realise they're not fit enough, and I'm fitter than them. That can't be right. But they could kick it as far as they could, and they could get out. And you knew, A, the supporters wouldn't go with it, and B, you're never, never, never going to be successful doing that, because football ultimately comes down to ability, not how far you can kick it. Because otherwise, you'd have six foot seven blokes kicking it all, all over the pitch. It always comes down to the people like Modric and Zidane, Zinedine Zidane, and that's why they cost so much money, because they create the stuff that wins you games. Uh, you don't win games by kicking it long onto Tony Adams' head, who, even on a bad day, can head it back and do that. It's not difficult to do. Um, What's difficult to do is to create things. Well, his idea is to take that creative way out of the game and we win the game that way. You don't. You don't, because sooner or later the ball will come to me and I will be able to do something with it that you can't stop. It's that way. Now, you can kick it up in the air as high as you like. I'm not going to be able to head it. I'm not going to be able to kick it 70 yards. But at some point, I will have a free kick I'll have the balls a freak, I'll have this, or I can create something, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. There's nothing you could do to stop Dave Beckham bending that ball in from a free kick wide. But for 70 minutes, if he kicked it over his head, you know, but it doesn't work, does it? It does not work. And even more now, because they keep the ball on the floor even more now, the pitches were a bit heavy and a bit muddy, so even now um, they wouldn't work because the pitches are so great. So it was never, it was never to be... Under Ian Brownfoot, then Steve, unfortunately, he did. and oh, obviously he was sacked. Didn't like it, did they? No, and he was. No, he, well, he, he wasn't particularly. He didn't seem to find a position for Matt Letizia at the time, did he? And then um, he, he was sacked. He wasn't liked or disliked because of his personality. Because Ian's all right. He's no, it's his style, wasn't it? Yeah, style, and absolutely doesn't work. If it yeah. worked, I'd probably be doing it. It doesn't work. Of course, it doesn't no, he work. Struggled. And then Alan Ball came in, and um, his philosophy was basically just get the ball to, to Matt Letizier, and he seemed to be able to get the best out of it. Well, I, I don't think there can ever be something wrong with getting the ball to your best player, which is what I said to you earlier, me getting the ball into Charlie Nicholas. Into the edge of the box is bloody dangerous. Getting the ball in. Matt Letizier can't run up and down the pitch by his own admission. But if you get the ball to him in and around the box as a number 10, it's quite bloody dangerous. You know, is there any players you enjoy watching today? Oh, I enjoy watching Silver De Bruyne. I love, I love ability. I love people that do that excite me. I, 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 you know, I've loved watching Arsenal under Henri and those players and Ian Wright. Oh, Jesus Christ! I'd love to have played with him. Um, the the current team at Arsenal mm, got a lot of work to do. I, I feel for the manager a bit. Cause he's got a lot of work, but they have got the money, so. He can do it. Um, I think ultimately, you had your stint, you've done your best. Would you play today? Absolutely. Would I play today? Yeah. Could I play today? Yeah. Love it. Pitches are better, so that would make it even better for me because you couldn't have the idiots trying to kick you then in the mud. Yeah. So, more ability, 
more of everything for me, and then more ability means you've got to have more players that can do that, which is what's happened. A lot of foreign players coming in, but they've got more ability as well, so good. It's improved, and so it should, shouldn't it? Yeah, well, Laurie's still around, still. Yeah, he's still around. Yeah, I speak to him a bit. Yeah, he's getting on a bit. Yeah, if there's a chance of going back and hanging his picture back in the boardroom, I'd go back for that any day they like. But let's see what we can do. do <laughs> put that can... on your podcast. Yeah, let's get the picture back let's up. Let's get that on. Let's get a flipping thing of uh, whatever they do on these things. <laughs> yeah, put Laurie Max's picture back on the wall. Oh, that's That'd nice. be brilliant, wouldn't it? It would be. Yeah. Yeah. That was a nasty one. Williams did well. Kept it down well. 